There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine, a fascinating discussion with Dr. Kenneth Bach, who is author of a new book entitled Brain Inflamed, Uncovering the Hidden Cause of Anxiety, Depression, and Other Mood Disorders in Adolescents and Teens. And uh, Ken, congratulations, because the book is like a capstone to your career of many decades. Uh, and I can attest that I've referred the children of many of my patients uh, to you because they say, well, you see my kid, my kid is, you know, 12 or 14. And I say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing uh, such young kids, but I know the place you need to go. Go see Dr. Bach. Uh, and many of them have thanked me profusely uh, for that uh, recommendation because you really helped them out of a jam. And in so doing, you help not just the kid, but you help the whole family dynamic, uh, the parents, the siblings, uh, and grandparents, everybody's happier. So it's just, uh, you're doing yeoman service. Um, so, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, co-infections and you use an acronym, ITABI, I-T-A-B-I. What's that all about? Well, it's, you know, the, the thing is, uh, it stands for infection triggered uh, autoimmune brain inflammation, right? And it's been called uh, PANS and PANDAS, uh, uh, which are acronyms for uh, pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome, syndrome PANS, or pediatric acute psychiatric neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep PANDAS, and and they're they also are uh, explanatory of what they are. Uh, I like a tabby because I think that's what it is, infection-triggered autoimmune brain inflammation. I think it just says what it is. And there's a lot of stigmas attached to pandas and pans. They're actually a, just like in our careers run, you know, we dealt with chronic candidiasis and then you deal with Lyme disease now and, and the chronicity of Lyme disease. There are doctors every step of the way that somehow oppose what we – know to be true what we see in the literature what we see in our practices and there are some doctors who don't believe in pandas and pans it's like wow. you know I, I have doctors no no i have doctors who say my medical school doesn't believe in that we don't believe in that in this wow. community that's what do you mean i mean there's so much literature about it so i i just felt like calling it what it is a, a tabby infection triggered autoimmune brain inflammation because so much of autoimmunity is triggered by infection even if we don't know what the infection is mm -hmm. and that's and that's a key for us to be looking for and when you mentioned co-infections of course 
I think tick-borne disease, um, you know, years ago, uh, the CDC was saying it's 30,000 a year. And then all of a sudden, it was in 2014, they said, well, really, it's not 30,000, it's 300,000 a year. I mean, 10 times what they had been saying. Mm -hmm. And so, and we know it's not just Lyme disease, but it's all those other critters that occupy the tick with the Lyme spirochete. Whether it be Bart and so on, yeah. Yeah, and so... And especially for the neuropsych, Bartonella is is a beast. It's really bad. It causes incredibly cold Bartonella rage, and um, and many of these kids see that's that really the the whole reason I wrote the book is because I want people to be aware of it because all the therapy and all the uh, psych meds in the world it may help a, a little bit, but will never really help these kids get well if they have an underlying Lyme disease or Bartonella infection or strep-induced brain inflammation that needs to be addressed, whether it be antibiotics or immune modulators. We use a lot of IVIG in my office for the real severe kids. Yeah, that's, so, let's talk about IVIG, uh, intravenous immune globulin. Yes. Uh, that's used sometimes for things like Guillain-Barre syndrome, but how could that help uh, kids with behavioral problems? Well, because if the behavioral problems, and so I get those autoimmune antibodies, and if I show the presence of those autoimmune antibodies, and we have the condition where we have this infection-triggered uh, autoimmune brain inflammation, or um, that, so that you can treat the infections, but that may not be enough mm-hmm. because you have this, you, you know, have to turn down the volume on the immune system. Exactly. It's a great way of saying you have to turn down the volume. And IBIG uh, does just that. It turns down the volume. It quiets or quells the inflammation and autoimmunity in the brain. It's very, very helpful. Not in every patient, but in so many. It's a it's a really big procedure. It's a two-day procedure, not just a one-day procedure like you would do for um, immune deficiency and do a low dose. It's a high dose of IBIG. There are potential side effects which we manage now. I do so much of it. So we you know how to manage the headaches and the and the nausea and vomiting. Um, so um, and you have to hydrate them really well. I mean, it's a whole thing. And but I it's, can it's tell a bold you, intervention, but it it, it pays off yeah, sometimes. Oh uh, well, yeah, it pays off a lot of times. I mean, some of the people that I see that are really really ill, that's what they need to turn them around. And um, and if they didn't get that. And and they, they they wouldn't have gotten better. A lot of this a number of the kids in the uh, in the book have gotten IBD, and that's what did it. Now, of course, if they have an infection, I I, I always want to make sure they're covered with the appropriate antimicrobials when they get IVIG. It can kick things up. So it's really this whole you know kind of well-rounded program. It's not just one thing. But with the sickest kids, and I'm talking about mood disorders where these kids are violent and aggressive or self-injurious and suicidal, and it's based on uh, inflammation and, and autoimmunity, uh, IVIG can be incredibly helpful. Sounds complicated. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It is. But, you know, somehow I've migrated to that. It's a funny thing you say. You know, I, I was board certified in family medicine. I, I have this kind of mind that likes to look deep, into yeah. answers and family medicine actually is more breadth than depth really mm-hmm. but i just liked so many things in medicine they tried to get me to do plastic surgery i really like dermatology and mm-hmm. i like orthopedics and i i, I and there's all these things i like but the reality is somehow i have migrated to my family medicine has allowed me to see the full realm of kids and adults 
and I get to do what my mind likes, which is to delve and look for answers to complex problems. And somehow, I guess the practice now is has really, you know, kind of morphed into, you know, really a lot of very complex problems where where people are having a hard time finding answers. And I, you know, I, I, I hopefully I. I've gotten good at it. Obviously, not you can't do everything. You're not going to score in every single person, but I, but I, I feel really good about the successes that I've had in these most complex cases. It's hard though, Ron. You know, it's hard. I mean, I have yep. to, you know, you have to scratch your head a lot and mm-hmm. try to figure these things out. But you know, yeah. you know it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the role of uh, diet to some extent. Uh, what role does allergy play? And what about uh, blood sugar, blood sugar fluctuations? Because there's certainly there's a there's a food mood connection big time, and part of that is you know what happens when you're on a blood sugar roller coaster. Yeah, well, I think again, I, I, I see that a lot. I, I talk about that a lot. I mentioned it certainly in one of the chapters in the book, and I think it's it's really underestimated. There's something uh, about low blood sugar that. Conventional medicine, and, and listen, both of us are very well trained in, in conventional medicine. I went to Rochester, very conservative medical school, but and so I, I don't like to ever think that I do quote alternative medicine because I don't. I feel like I put all you know the aspects of medicine together. But for somehow, many of uh, our colleagues do not believe that low blood sugar exists. Mm-hmm. They just don't. And yet, if you get this history of you know a kid not being able to go long uh, periods of time without eating or if, if they don't eat soon enough, they get either shaky or lightheadedness or a tremor or palpitations or they get hangry, as you've seen in the Snickers commercials, anybody. Hangry, right. You know, hangry. And, and, and they eat something and they, they come out of it. You know, that is so suggestive. I no longer get glucose tolerance tests. The six, I used to do it when I was younger, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big six sticks, six hour, you know, test. You get a fasting sugar and then a half hour and then every hour for six hours. And you show a blood sugar going to the 40s and they get symptoms. It confirms it, but I just don't think I need that anymore. You know, yeah, well, we now have, uh, uh, you know, continuous glucose monitors, CGMs, which, you know, we can give patients and, you know, we can have them finger stick and maybe they're less invasive ways of doing it. Uh, what about uh, allergies to foods? Can foods have psychological effects on people? Definitely. I mean, you know, the first I ever learned about this was, uh, remember Doris Rapp in this, you know, Mm -hmm. who basically had two videos. I'll never forget the two videos. She had a video of one kid eating eggs, which is obviously a healthy food, and one kid eating a banana. And they both went berserk, you know, one with ADHD hyper all over the place and another with behavioral stuff. And it was like, holy mackerel. I mean, it was so crystal clear. And uh, I remember uh, one, I think it might have been Michael and uh, uh, Schachter and, 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 and David Schenk. And I think they, they food, mind and mood way back, way mm-hmm. back. Yeah, they were pioneers in this field. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and psychiatrists who were pioneers. And. You know, there's no question. I have uh, examples, and there's one in the book of of corn that caused uh, ADHD and mood dysregulation, like really, you know, anger an eight-year-old kid. And and corn's a tough one because corn's in everything. So you talk about, you know, you talk about the ultra-processed foods. Well, corn's in all those processed foods. It's even more so than wheat and dairy. So it's a tough one. It's in a lot of the capsules of supplements and everything. So... Uh, that's a tough one. But, you know, we see it with gluten in the autistic kids and dairy 
um, as well as other foods. So I think the key is, I mean, I check for all these kids when they come in. I do both uh, intradermal skin testing, just the foods these days. I used to do inhalants, but I get that from uh, RAS tests now. And I'll do uh, RAS tests for a, a lot of other, because I don't do a million foods. But I usually will do the, the, the four basic foods when they come in, milk, wheat, uh, corn and yeast, sometimes egg. And you'd be surprised. You, you, you diagnose uh, you know, a, a large skin with a large food allergy. You take it away, and lo and behold, sometimes some of the psych symptoms resolve. It's pretty amazing. And so, yes, I do uh, think that food allergies, is no, no doubt with ADHD, but also definitely with anxiety, depression, and mood disorders for sure. You, you mentioned the use of uh, cannabidiol or CBD for some of your uh, anxious patients. Uh, maybe you also dispense it to family members so they can stay cool during this uh, long process of unraveling their kids' problems. But you seem to be a fan. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, kind of pharmaceutical-grade CBD. There's a lot, a lot of CBD out there. Not all of it is really great. So you have to make sure you get really high-quality CBD. And um, uh, But... Uh, yes, I mean, I, I, I've read the literature. Um, you know, we all have these endocannabinoid receptors in our, we, we all make endocannabinoids, which in other words, we make our own endogenous cannabinoids. And there are these, uh, CB1 and, and, and CB2. There's, uh, receptors that are scattered all over, some more in the brain, others more peripherally, but there's overlap. And, uh, you know, I think that whole system is very interesting. It's really an anti-inflammatory system. And I think uh, when it's just like almost like when you don't have enough of your own, so to speak, or what have you, getting a little support with CBD uh, can be very helpful uh, in the autistic kids, in these teens with anxiety. Um, it's not everybody. Uh, that informal survey we did that was uh, in autistic kids, about 71% in health and anxiety mm. It certainly helps in with sleep issues, so it's it's definitely worth it. It can help some with the real agitation and aggression, although uh, less so. So, and the key is that it's dose related, so that you know a lot of the stuff out there that people are getting a very very low dose. Yeah, it may not be really. It's not really premier. Then people, people give up prematurely when actually exactly. they need much higher doses. It's, it's it's like everything in our field. It's like. Yeah. You get a multivitamin that, that lists yeah. everything under the sun, and the patient says, wow, I'm getting everything. And you look at their CoQ10, and rather than 100 milligrams, it says 1,000 micrograms. And they say, wow, I'm getting so much <laughs> CoQ10, and it's a milligram, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Same thing with CBD. If you're going to take 3.25 or 6.5 milligrams when you should be taking 25, 50, 75, 100 mm -hmm. even, yeah. Um, you're not going to get the results. What are some of the other uh, supplements you resort to? I know that this is this is not a, a cookbook kind of thing. Like, okay, for here's your protocol for ADHD, and here's your protocol for depression, and here's your protocol for anxiety. It's not how this works. We have to uncover root causes. But what are some of the supplements that you wield frequently? Well, I would say the anti-inflammatory ones, as I mentioned uh, previously. You mentioned you probiotics, know, uh, vitamin D, and fish oil, and then... Yes, so those are, those are the Holy Trinity. So those are all anti-inflammatory. Again, getting up to the right levels of vitamin D, the adequate levels of fish oils, not just the tiny spattering of a dose, but the adequate levels. Um, and a really good, you know, diverse strain, 
you know, a higher potency, you know, 30 billion, 50 billion, 100 billion probiotic. Um, but then also uh, some of the more uh, herbal antimicrobials, curcumin, one of the best in terms of being anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. It, it decreases TH17, which are the, the uh, inflammatory autoimmune. Uh, Bad cytokine, yeah. Yeah, very inflammatory cytokines. It also enhances Tregs. And a lot of what it is in the immune system right, is, is to balance the immune system and, and, and enhance Tregs, which are anti-inflammatory and, and more regulatory, and downregulate the inflammatory TH17. And sometimes and you have to balance TH1, TH2. But TH17 are the ones that can be the most inflammatory in terms of this brain inflammation. So... Um, so curcumin is really, really good. Great studies on that. And also certain things to try to help tighten up uh, the, the blood-brain barrier and restore integrity to it. Things like resveratrol. Very, very good supplement for that. Again, some good studies for that, including an Alzheimer's disease. Um, and um, then melatonin. Interestingly enough, melatonin can help with that as well. Um, some very basic things, and some things that probably I've been uh, guilty of not getting enough over the years, sleep. So like sleep deficit can actually contribute to uh, leakiness of the blood-brain barrier and loss of integrity and actually restoring sleep. Um, you know, uh, one study was that 24 hours sleep really, but basically getting a number of days, six days of really, really solid sleeps can help. So this chronic and in the lives that many people lead are are unfortunately sleep deprived. And that's not good. Um, so there, you know, I mean, exercise can help that as well. I mean, I try to get these kids moving. The whole thing of just watching video games, I really try to get even if it's just going for walks, especially with COVID, getting kids out going for walks, getting them playing fun sports, and having fun. You know, I, 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 I tell People, I, I was doing my, one of my first podcasts when the book first came out, and, so, and I, I asked somebody I was playing with, it's a great interview, uh, and Andy Tevlin, and said, so what are the two main uh, nutrients for the immune system? And she's going, oh, yeah, vitamin D, vitamin C. I said, no, no, I, I get it, I know. And she, you know, everybody would say those. And I said, love and laughter. <laughs> and I really go. believe that that's some of the things we need to nurture our kids with love and laughter, they need just to be a little more careful. They need to be able to obviously get learned responsibility as they get older, but learn how, you know, laughing is so key, you know, being loved and loving is so key. And I, and I, I don't say that like, well, schmopsy. I think it's really, really important for the health of these kids. And That's I amazing. actually talk about it. It's an know? intangible, but it's it's so important. Uh, yeah. What about glutathione support? You're a big fan of that. And you know, how do you administer glutathione to some of these kids who need uh, more of that potent antioxidant? Well, um, there, you know, the regular just reduced glutathione is not very well absorbed. So if you're going to do it orally, it should be liposomal. And there are a couple of different liposomal preparations that we use. And again, you have to do high enough doses, not just 50 milligrams, but several hundred milligrams a couple of times a day. And it is very important. I agree. There's no question about that. And I use it a lot. We also give it IV. So we give these, the, the kids... Um, especially if there's a problem in terms of toxicity, whether it be mycotoxins, mold toxins, or other kinds of chemical toxins, we can help the cell membranes um, with the phosphatidylcholine and glutathione. And we actually give those IV with higher dose vitamin C 
So we do that in a number of the kids, especially kids that may not only have mood disorders, but also physical symptoms of fatigue uh, and things like that. So uh, along in light of the tick-borne illnesses, we'll also give those. can be very, very support. We can test for those. So we do test for glutathione. I don't test for phosphocholine, but we do mm-hmm. test glutathione and, and sulfate and cysteine. And interesting, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, can be very helpful for OCD. And so, yes, you know, yeah, there are actually documented studies on it. It's fascinating. So you have to uh, you know, how that, I mean, for gambling addiction, of all things, it's crazy. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's very potent and it's actually a very anti inflammatory. You know, if you have, you know, uh, you know, I've been dealing with glutamate exo excitotoxicity in the autistic kids. And, you know, a lot of these kids with bipolar and, and mood dysregulation have excess glutamate. And you want to quiet glutamate. So some, what are some of the nutrients to quiet uh, excess glutamate? It's NAC, it's magnesium, and it's taurine. So when you ask me some of the nutrients, I use a lot of magnesium. And these kids who are anxious and, and stressed, I use magnesium in the form of magnesium taurine. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, the only caveat with NAC is that if you have a, a dysbiosis, and a, especially a fungal dysbiosis, or like you know, yeast overgrowth in the intestines, uh, NAC can really make that worse. You have to be careful with that. But, you know, so, and these kids, I mean, even when we talked about CBD, I think the important thing to remember with any of these kids, any nutrient, you know, be, you know, I used the other test I was going to tell you, and you said, what about the testing you use besides the autoimmune? I use metabolic testing. So I look at organic acids yeah. and I look at minerals and, and, and toxic metals. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll show you they need higher doses of B6. Well, yeah. B12, methylfolate, you know, we check an MTHFR. But when you give those, most of the kids will do well, but there are a very small percentage that yeah. will get activated, get agitated. reactions, you know, you set them off. Totally. So I think that's the important thing for parents to realize that this needs to be done with somebody who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and and help handle the paradox reaction. Because now we know if we see a certain paradox reaction, that can clue me in, ah, they may need something to counter that, not even a medicine, but another nutrient that may allow them to slowly introduce it. And a lot of it's timing, a lot of it's sequencing. When you introduce something, mm-hmm. may not be tolerated early on, may be tolerated a little later. So that's the, you know, that's the art of, right. uh, of how to do this. So, sounds like the general message is uh, read this book, uh, Brain Inflamed, but don't Try this at home. <laughs> you need guidance because yeah, get it can clues. be complicated. Get, yeah, you know, the, one of the things I really tried to do in the book is at the end of cha- each chapter, I would put clues as to what they could ask themselves or what mm-hmm. they can bring to their yeah. doctor. And that may suggest, hey, wow, my kid may have tick-borne disease. My ma- kid may have low blood sugar, as we said. My kid may have low thyroid may have a strep-induced autoimmunity. So and and so that's the key. It wasn't to have them diagnose and then treat. Exactly. It was more to have a pathway to uh, to seek proper avenues of treatment, really. That's right, exactly. And, and it's certainly a message of hope, and it's very empowering because uh, families that are afflicted in this way, and I say families because it's a family problem, uh, really is in desperate straits and to have an opportunity to uh, transcend a, a very stuck situation uh, I think is a very very exciting prospect so uh, get the book brain inflamed uh, lastly uh, I have a question for you that I think is a timely question have you seen kids with long COVID this is a perplexing situation is that 
uh, you know, kids are coming down with COVID. Usually they're fine, but a certain small percentage of them sometimes are wiped out for weeks and months on end. We're going to see more of it, I think, Ron. I haven't seen a lot of it. I've obviously seen adults with long COVID. Um, I haven't seen a lot of kids with long COVID. Um, Fortunately. But, uh, yeah, because uh, but I think with the Delta variant now, uh, and it being not only more transmissible, but seeming to be uh, you know more virulent, uh, I think we're going to be seeing more of it. And so, I mean, I have, pro- you know, I do have, one of the things I do, I do have uh, various, you know, vaccination supports for some of these kids. The tricky thing with COVID and the, and the vaccinations is, you know, these kids that are uh, predisposed to autoimmunity, you worry yeah. about, you know, how you worry you, about COVID, but you also worry about the vaccines because either could uh, send their immune system into overdrive. I, I, and I see that. But I just had it today again. I see it. And you have to weigh. Everything is a weighing of risk benefits, as you know. And so there are some of these like anti-inflammatory nutrients when they're timed. I have a way of doing that so that if you're going to get the vaccination before, mm-hmm. during and after, there are things that people can take to try to help them tolerate the vaccine more. I never, I, uh, I, I, I don't like to give the vaccine when kids are in acute, acutely inflamed, either with like Lyme disease or other tick-borne diseases or autoimmunity. I like to settle that all down, have them be stable, and then vaccinate them, knowing mm-hmm. that the vaccination may kick things up. Makes, makes sense. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's common sense, right? Really, it's a lot of it's common sense. Well, great stuff. And, you know, once again, congratulations uh, both on the book, uh, Brain Inflamed, uh, and on a, on a fabulous career. The direction that your career has taken with this uh, has been so beneficial to so many kids and their families. Uh, you've made an outstanding contribution to the field of uh, medicine, uh, in particular integrative medicine. You've really been a pioneer, and, and you're very generous in sharing the information in books like Brain Inflamed and uh, in your frequent lectures to health professionals and the public. So uh, great stuff. Once again, thanks very much for joining us. That was Dr. Kenneth Bach, author of Brain Inflamed. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.